They are the masters of learning by video. I'm talking, of course, about Masterclass, and we have the founder, David Rogier, here with us today on this episode of The Learning Geeks, starting now. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hey, there. Hey, David. David. Hi, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We are so glad that you're here. And you know what? We got hassled last time for not talking about Star Wars. So there you go. With our guest. Mandalorian. (laughs) I'm diving right into it. Are you a fan, David? I don't know if we talked about this when we met before. I mean, I I, I feel I'm a little scared to admit this on the podcast, but I'm not. I'm like, I've seen them. I wouldn't say like, I haven't seen all of them. Okay. (laughs) It's okay. You're still alive. You don't want me on the podcast. And if if you want me to leave, I understand. (laughs) Well, you know, the guy who started Masterclass doesn't like Star Wars. Uh, We'll keep you on. I just say I didn't like it. I just haven't seen all of them yet. Okay, fair. Fair. I was putting words in your mouth and that was wrong. So um, (laughs) we're super happy to have you here, David. I was at a a day-long workshop with you and your peers and a whole bunch of our of our learning colleagues uh, a couple months ago now. And and we connected and you said you would join us. So yeah. We're super happy you're here. I am also making a bold assumption that most of our listeners know about Masterclass. I I am betting a lot of them subscribe, but there might be some who don't. So maybe let's start with with give us the the pitch on what Masterclass is. It's a chance to actually learn from the best in the world across anything that you want to learn about. That's great. How, how, how does it work? I, I said something about videos before, right? Yeah. That, that, was so a good, that was like a good tweetable pitch, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, the idea is that, you know, for almost the same price as Netflix, you get access to over 180 of the very best in the world. And they're teaching about their craft, but in a way how school is meant to be. In a way where you aren't afraid of a pop quiz, but actually it's really engaging and you want to watch more. So, for example, um, Steph Curry, one of the best basketball players of all time, in my opinion, has a class on how to shoot in that cl- on, on Masterclass. Yeah. But the class also, he watches game footage and he breaks down and he shows you how he can see where a defender is going to go based on how his feet are aligned. But he goes even mm-hmm. further than that and he talks about how he, you know, it was hard for him to get a scholarship to go to, to play in school and how he had, you know, if you look at Steph, if you look at Steph, he's six foot, I don't know, 180 pounds. You're like, how is that guy going to make in the NBA? And he walks you, and that's what everybody thought. And he walks you through how he had to create a training program for himself, the best three-pointer in the game. And what he does in the class, and you see it, is he takes a basketball and he dribbles it up and down with one hand, and the other hand a a tennis ball, and he throws it up in the air. I have never, ever seen a basketball drill that involves a tennis ball. Right. And so in the class, the first question we have for him in prep is like, why do you do that? And he goes, the brain cognition load of having to do those two things is so high that when I get into to play a real game and there's only one ball, it's all in slow motion. Interesting. And if you watch him play, he's like three steps ahead of his defender. Yeah. And so this idea how somebody could 
create an education program for themselves that helps them become the best in the world is something that we can all learn, all learn from. So you get all of this plus 180 other folks um, at masterclass.com. And you can literally learn rocket science. I took a class from Chris Hadfield, a former astronaut, and uh, learned some rocket science that way. It is his class is amazing. So there's it's people amazing. on there who you who you're gonna know and love already, and there's people on there that you don't know but that you are going to want to know. So David, what what got you started in this? What what, what did what came up with the idea and? Yeah, tell us the origin story. Yeah, tell us the origin. Maybe you, you're more yeah. of a superhero guy than a Star Wars guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do like my superheroes. Um, okay, so I was uh, I I was working in venture capital, um, and, and I didn't love it. And uh, I went to my boss one day, and I told him, "Hey, I'm gonna I, I want to quit. I'm gonna go think of an idea and go start it." And he goes, "What's the idea?" And I said, "I don't know." And he's like, "Pitch me." I was like, what, what do you mean picture? And so I was like, okay, why don't you invest some money and I'll go think of an idea. And he goes, deal. <laughs> and he invests half a million and tells me to basically go think of an idea. And I mean, I flipped out. I mean, it was such a generous, kind, yeah. uh, uh, but also terrifying. <laughs> I mean, terrifying. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'll be honest, the, that next year uh was probably one of the darkest of my life and that sounds weird but i don't have any constraints i feel it's a once in a lifetime chance to create something i don't want to mess that up i feel responsibility to him to create something great i feel if i don't do that i'm not going to have a chance to pursue my own dream and there's not rules of how to create a good idea right like and so you and you don't want to jump in unless the idea you think is great and, you know, I was at IDEO for a bit. So I did the IDEO approach of the user needs and build up from that. I looked at market trends from the way down, right? And trying to trying to think of this. And I remember um, somebody gave me a great constraint. She said, choose something that even if it fails, you are going to be proud of it. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. And I think sometimes we need constraints to be creative. Yeah. And I immediately thought about what I'd be proud of. And uh, what I kept going back to... Um, I was raised in part by my grandmother on my mom's side. And uh, I remember um, I would often stay with her and, you know, after school, uh, you know, it was one day, I think it was second grade. I I was dropped off at her house after school. And, uh, you know, I don't know how old are you in second grade, like nine or 10 or something like that. Yeah. And and I went in and I started complaining. She asked me how school was. I started complaining about all the schoolwork I had. And of course, in second grade, you don't have a lot of schoolwork, right? So I was just being a pain in the ass. <laughs> and, and, and my grandma tells me that she has a story. She wants to tell me a, a story, which like as a second grader is like the last thing you actually like want to hear, right? And I, so she starts the story. She was 16 years old. She was living in in Poland. Her mom and her go on a family vacation. Dad's going to join. He's staying home a couple extra days to finish work. While they're on vacation, the Nazis invade. Um. They kill her father. Um, she flees to to NYC, New York. Only job her and her mom gets on a factory floor. There's they work on the factory floor, standing side by side. My grandma decides she wants to become a doctor. Applies to every medical school in the state of New York. This is by hand, right? There weren't New York computers. Right. She gets a note from every single one. Keeps working the factory. Applies again next year. Every school in the state of New York gets a note from every single one of them again. She starts calling the deans of admissions and asking and ask why am I not getting in? 
They all hang up on her, except for one guy who says, I'll be honest, you have three strikes against you. You're a woman, you are a immigrant, and you're Jewish. Hangs up the phone. Hmm. She keeps working the factory, applies again next year. She gets into one and becomes a doctor. And I'm staring at her because this is intense stuff to be hearing from just having complained about like math homework, especially for a two-year-old or a second-grader, yeah, eight-year-old, nine-year-old. Like you're, you're, you know, uh, and 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 she goes, David. The point I'm trying to make to you is education is the only thing that someone can't take away from you. Hmm. I never complained about math home any school working in front of her, <laughs> but that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I realized if I have this one chance, I want to try to make it. You know, I want to try to build something that people can't take away from others. Um, came up with the idea for Masterclass, um, and we actually named our holding company is actually named after her. So, uh, oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, I think the once figured out it was going to be education, then the question was what in it, right? And and I, I, I don't know if this feels true to any to any of you. I love to learn. I hated most of school. Hmm. And, and, and I felt I got in trouble a lot. I'd ask questions. I was told stop asking questions, and and, and you know this was you know two thousand twelve ish, right? There was MOOCs were come, were starting come, were starting to be there and be big, and I loved to learn it. I didn't want to take them. Yeah. And I realized in part it was they basically took a classroom, put a webcam in the back of it, and it's like this is now online education. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, why? Like, there, there are things online that I love to watch and do, watching films and TV shows. Why why, why does it have to look and feel like school? And, and, and there started the evolution of the idea. That's great. I remember having a, an experience in, uh, when I was at the university, and it was summer, and I was learning all kinds of things. And I, it, it dawned on me, I said, I think I'm learning more over the summer than when I'm sitting in class because I'm out doing things. I'm working with people. I'm having social interaction. Uh, you know, the, the job I had was something I had never done before. And when I went back to the classroom, I had a little different perspective. I think that, that that's a story and experience we've heard a thousand times. And I mean, another one we hear is that people st still have horrible dreams that they missed a final exam or they're a credit short of graduating school. Yeah. I have those often. Yeah, that is, <laughs> Especially that, the that's ladder. my stress indicator. I know if I'm really stressed out at work when that dream shows up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been in school in a long time. I still get that dream. And I think, <laughs> and, and I think you know, when we start talking about, you know, uh, at work, how do we get, you know, people want to improve their life. People want to learn and they love to learn, but like, why don't people take the classes in school, schools, often their jobs provide for them. It's because it's PTSD. It reminds them of what school yeah. was versus if you reframed it and said, if you're going to design a school for the rest of your life, what does that look like? It would still be involved learn to learn, to learn a ton, a ton as you mentioned, right? In the summer, you probably enjoyed that time, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. David, I, I've had this quote up in my office for the last probably 25 years since I first read it, which is a Walt Disney quote, shocker coming from me. But it's, um, in the discovery of knowledge, there is great entertainment. As conversely, in all good entertainment, there is always some grain of wisdom, humanity, or enlightenment to be gained. And you know, I, as a learning professional, have always kind of tried to ascribe to that and make sure that the learning experiences that I create are fun, engaging. There's some element of entertainment to it. I think you guys have mastered that. 
no pun intended. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. I have never heard that quote. I love that quote. I'm going to go find it. I'm going to go find it. I'll email it to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. We talk about it all the time at the company. Um, and I think early on, you know, investors in the press would be like, I don't understand. Are you entertainment or are you education? You're like, that's a false choice. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> but like, 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 why can't why can education also be entertaining, right? And, or entertainment also be educating, right? And, and so we really think about it as like the best education is entertaining, right? And, and so you can't – we are a learning company, but that doesn't mean that good learning has to be entertaining. So we also have to be good at storytelling, right? Yeah. So, David, who were some of your first um, instructors and what were the topics and what did you learn from some of those? I know yeah. three questions all at once, but. Um, the first one we filmed was the author, James Patterson. Um, he's the best-selling author in the country. Sorry, what was your next question? What did we learn from him? Yeah, what did you, uh, what did you learn about creating courses from that first one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, so our first three were James Patterson. Yeah, James Patterson was our first one we filmed. Um, we learned what our role should be, which is our role should be the voice of the student. So what I mean by that is we had a first call. We did tons of prep of what you know we thought was most interesting about James, what he needed to teach, what he needed to share. And James brought his list of what he thinks people should learn. His list was, was better. And we realized the only chapter that he didn't have, the topic that we saw that people really wanted, and that's when we learned our rules, was how to overcome when you get writer's block. Yeah. And I think James's first reaction was like, I don't get writer's block. I do 12 books a year. And, and, and you're like, no, James, it's like the most requested thing. He's like, hold on. No, like I used to struggle with that. And then I realized that's why I work on multiple projects at the same time. Because oh. if I get stuck on an outline, I'm just like, a cool thing has to happen here that involves these three characters. Next. And he just goes next <laughs> one and then he comes back. Ends up being an amazing part of the class. Right. And so we realized our role, the instructor has a very strong point of view at, that's over their years of mastery of what they wish somebody had taught them. Our role is the role of the student to come and say, here's what people think they want to learn, right? Yeah. And we have to merge those. So I think that was really a big lesson to learn. Second big lesson we learned, I'm trying to remember which one, it was one of our first instructors, was, you know, it, when you film things, tradition in the entertainment world is that, that people in it don't get approval rights of this stuff, right? Like, if you do a movie, the actor doesn't get approval over the film, right? Um, and an instructor, I'm trying to remember who early on said, hey, if I have approval right, I'm going to be more comfortable being honest and vulnerable and opening up because then if I say something I don't like, I'll edit it afterwards. But odds are I'm probably going to like it more because yeah. it's more true and honest. So it was a scary and hard thing because what happens if you give approval right and the instructors all of a sudden, I don't like any of that. You can only keep yeah. one sentence in there. But we tried and it was one of the best things we ever did because the instructors feel more comfortable they feel it's theirs, which is what we wanted. We didn't want this to be like, the, you know, we wanted it to, to feel they sense ownership. And also, if Martin Scorsese has notes for you, what, like, what are you not going to take the notes? Of course <laughs> you're going to take the notes. And so, you know, it ends up being that one of the best parts, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So how long does it take for one to be done, the production side of it? 
I mean, the, the pre-production, the prep, the research takes months and months, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that that that's the part that takes on to film. It's under a week, right? And and, and depending on it, right? So it, it, it and then post-production, um, there's a lot of work goes in post-production. Part of what we do in post-production is uh, we test the class and we modify it and we change it. This was like a like. Uh, the academics on our team and the Oscar winners on our team were like shocked by this. Right. But like, because most of the time a film director, they don't know how people are going to like parts of the movie until maybe like a month before it's released and they do a test screening and maybe they can yeah. change like one thing. But like, uh, you know, uh, I'll go back to this first class we did with James Harrison. He starts this class with, hi, I'm Stephen King. <laughs> we have so everybody can see at home we have two folks are laughing and some folks on the call were not laughing i'm the one that's not laughing i didn't think it was a funny joke and i was like james i don't think it's funny he's like it's really funny and it's going to work i'm like i really don't think so the nice thing is we test every part of it and you can watch when people tune what parts they like what parts they don't yeah. like how they feel what they turn off if you include the joke people watch more of it interesting interesting like, Right, like it, you know, for whatever reason, it works. So the feedback we can give to the instructor, to back to our team and editing it is, you know, we're looking at every point where you lose interest, where you feel you learned something, what type of thing did did you learn? We break down what types of ways to learn, and so that was a big. I mean, we also learned that we should always do that, <laughs> do more. Yeah. Well, a real quick, just kind of a follow up because you were mentioning, you mentioned your the crew, and you also said Oscar winners, and so. That sounds much different than what we're typically used to when we shoot videos and we do videos for learning, right? So on your crew, is it mostly people that have been in film um, or do you actually have any typical learning um, people that are uh, focused or educated within the learning or skilled within the, the learning space at all? Oh, yeah. Our team has both. Okay. So, yeah. and I think that's, I mean, to your point uh, that you raised, Bob, early on, like that was a part, important ethos of the company from day one. So we have, you know, PhDs and masters in education, right? And then, and then we also have Oscar winners and Emmy winners, mm -hmm. and and then we bring on consultants for each class to have depth in that area that we're going into. And it's about that working together to kind of extract that, right? Um, and sometimes, you know, it's a doc, it's a doc documentary filmmaker um, is doing it, you know, um, on the Gordon Ramsay class, the, the person who, who actually shot that class um, was Davis Guggenheim, who won an Oscar for, um, um, for the Al Gore documentary on the, mm -hmm. on the, mm -hmm. in truth. Yeah. You would have never thought to match up a, a documentary filmmaker who's done things on, you know, on education and climate change with a chef like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> You watch the Gordon Ramsay masterclass. It's a it's a way of it's a view of Gordon Ramsay that you've never seen before. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it, it is a level of depth and vulnerability and mastery that comes across in nothing of that you've seen before. I mean, yeah, I don't think he calls anybody a donkey on that. So <laughs> there's no yelling in that class. There are jokes, and he is funny. And, that is great. He is funny. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. David, I know a, a lot of our colleagues have probably advocated for getting masterclass subscriptions for the people in their company that they serve, you know, just because just, it's a good thing to have, you know, an always learning type thing. 
but now you are pivoting and adding the uh, masterclass at work line. And I know that you know, you're not just putting the at work label on it and releasing yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about masterclass at work and how you've, you know, how, how you've kind of rethought how masterclass works for a working audience. I mean, we launched as a consumer business and, and got our chops on how to develop education that a consumer really loves and wants. Um, and, and that business has grown way faster and bigger than I ever imagined. You know, uh, I don't know, it was a year and a half ago or something, we got a call from, you know, a Fortune 100 company who actually called us and, and, and you know, uh, somebody picked up the phone and, and they said, hey, do you guys, you know, we want to sign up for your enterprise package. Do you guys have one? And the person answered the phone was really smart. Of course we yeah. do. Now, what does an enterprise package mean to you, right? And, 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 and you know, the reason they did it is because they had a, they had tons of employees already expensing it, and so they wanted to. And so for the last you know year and a half, we've really dived deep in, in, into the in, into the business learning uh, you know space to really understand it. And I think the things that we took away from that were really fascinating. Which is one is. The same issues we saw that we were trying to solve on the consumer side, uh, when we sell into businesses, the end user is the same person, right? The the the, the consumer, the, the person wants to learn. The person hated school, right, or is scared of school. They want to learn to improve their own job, to improve their own life, to learn about the things that they actually want. And so we said, hey, how do we really think hard about how to be world class at providing education for for inside companies? And I, and I think there are some parts that were the same, the print, the principles underneath it were the same, but the topics that they want to learn aren't the same um, necessarily how they want to, who they want to do, take the classes with oftentimes with a cohort of people, it could be at their company on their team or not at a different company, but the same le level and tier that they want more classes in, you know, specifically in the business world. And then, so we started to do that. Um, over the last year and a half, and, and the growth we've seen is tremendous. And, and I think it's an area that we're going to continue to invest a substantial amount in. And, and I think what it is, and, and you know, Bob, I you know, appreciate you know all of your help in the conversations we had. I, I think L and D professionals are seeing, hey, my our team isn't taking a lot of the classes that we already provide them. So, like, what what can we do there? They run a test with us. Our engagement rate is three to five X more than what they get, whatever they have. Two is the world is changing. And if you're going to rely on the lessons from 20 years ago of how to lead and how to run a team in this world, your team is out of date. And so how do we learn from the masters of today and now to learn that? And then three is you have to invest in the employee's full self. So, you know, we have a class on the world expert on sleep science. And, you know, a lot of enterprise users, employees end up taking that class. And I think if you ask, you know, and, you know, somebody five years ago, how do you feel about that? They'll be like, well, that's not about their job. Should they really do it? But the people who are really innovative and, and were tough were like, no, no, how you sleep impacts how you work. So I want my employees to sleep well, right, to do that. And, <laughs> yeah. and so, yeah, I, I think we've been 
it's become a big area for us because I think we can have a really big impact in the world. Yeah. Want them to sleep well, but not on the job. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. There is a chapter saying places not acceptable to sleep. <laughs> I don't know, Dana. I know you got some nap schedules in there. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, 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 I, I definitely do. My, my couch is over there. So, yeah. What What are the benefits <laughs> of everybody working at home? But uh, but we are seeing that trend across the industry of L and D of people say or of L and D professionals being more interested in the holistic development of their per, of the people that right. uh, are, are in their customer base, right? It's not just the hard work skills. It's everything. Help them be better people. Yep. I mean, one of the, the classes we, we launched in the last couple months, and it's been fantastic, is by the, ther- by the psychologist Esther Perel. Um, and, and, you know, you would think, oh, is Esther's class just going to be on your relationships? Esther Esther talks about how your relationships with your with your mom and dad, with your siblings, your spouse impact how you relate to your manager and your boss, right? And, and, and like how that impacts each other. That class has done fantastically well on the consumer side, but also on the enterprise side as well. Because to your point, it, it addresses that integrated world. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of topics, David, have there been any topics that were surprisingly successful? You know, things that you might you might have thought, yeah, there's this will work, but it's only going to be a very narrow audience. Yeah, um, we launched a uh, film score, score a film scoring class with Hans hmm. Zimmer. That's one of my favorites, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even a composer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love yeah. he's he's just so immersive and his storytelling ability is fantastic. And there's a lot that I learned personally that I was able to take away as a non musician. It's crazy. I mean, that's why it's done yeah. so well. I mean, how many professional film composers are in the world? Twelve, right? Like, and so the market is that it, it's it's about. I mean, I, I would love to hear what you thought out of it, Jake, and what you have to. I mean, it's creativity. That he he literally has a target move, move, movie watcher in his head that he does it for. I mean, it, it, like these are skills that you like use for anything you make it great. But yeah, Jake, I would love to hear what you liked about it or or that what you didn't like about it. No, I mean, and and so I'll be fully transparent. I'm about like three quarters of the way through, so I'm not like totally all the way through yet. Um, but I've there's probably two reasons for it. One, because I love his music. That's probably one thing. And I'm, I'm always fascinated by like the creative process when it comes to musicians. Um, but one thing that I really value of just listening to him is actually, you can tell he's legitimately um, very passionate about what he's doing. And then he's almost like telling the story of music as if it, there's words to it. Like he sees it as a different language. And and then so just hearing the creative process to me, honestly, with anybody that has any type of creative, I enjoy that. So mm. without being a musician, I, 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 I just kept watching and watching. I'm like, OK, what's next? Like, I really want to, to listen to that. So, yeah, I mean, I probably again, I, I'm not walking away and go to my studio that I don't have, you know, over in the corner. <laughs> but there's a lot that I can take away as a as a. Uh, someone who leads a, a creative and innovation learning lab, right? There's a lot that I can take away from it. My favorite part, well, I have two favorite parts in the class. One is where he talks about, and if you remember this, every note either asks a question or answers a question. Yes. And so he was kind of like, do, 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 do. <laughs> like he goes back and forth. It's really because great. Because at, yeah. at first he says that, I'm like, what kind of BS is this? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, 
But then, to your point, I, I'm not as good as you as making like his here is a nice question. Here is an upset response. And then you can hear it. Right. And you're like, yeah, whoa. And then right? he yeah. goes to the deep and he's like, and then you're dead. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> but it's great. He's telling a story through music. Right. And that I, I think just I but again, this kind of goes back to one of the core. And I think that what I'm getting at even too that what entertainment versus how we think typically think of learning and development um, storytelling is part of it. You are captivated. And he's, he was really good at telling stories and how he goes about his process. Yeah. I think one of the biggest myths that like the world has is that school isn't supposed to be engaging or fun. Right. Right. And I think the, you know, the, the top of the field in the L and D world are challenging that every day. Right. And almost like I can get you to learn and you're going to love it because you actually first don't even think it's to learn, but then you're going to learn more than if, if I was just here are the 12 points that I need you to you know. And so Bob's been real key. He's been real instrumental in bringing Second City uh, mm. into a lot of our mm. training and then, you know, they bring the humor in and bring some of the improv. And, it, you know, you don't get that in, in grade school or even high school. You know. No. And maybe from the best school teachers you have, there's a couple that do it sometimes, right? Like, right. I don't know. You usually think of the one or two that really transformed you because how they did it. Yeah. And Shout out to Mr. Deep. Toomey, who's probably listening. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Harris was for me. Yeah. This gets into like the benefit of a liberal arts education to some extent, right? Because if we can convince all of our corporate learners that just learning anything is good and that you can find things in pretty much anything you learn that you can apply to your business. It just takes a little bit of lateral thinking uh, mm -hmm. and a little bit way of looking at things. The, the world just opens up to us in terms of what our capabilities are. And I've always said that as learning designers, we need to be inspired by everything around us. But I think maybe we need to push a little bit more as learners, be inspired by everything around us and just continue to expose yourself to that. Yeah, and I think as learning professionals, part of our job is how do we inspire our teams to get excited to go learn? And I think for us, our approach is we're not going to try to tell you to learn is good and you should learn more because that sounds like everything you've heard. It's like, hey, <laughs> do you want to hear how Hans Zimmer wrote this film score without ever having watched the movie? And you're like, but that's kind of interesting. Yeah, like I, I love to hear yeah. that. And all of a sudden, you're learning the creative pro, his whole pro, the process on creativity, on storytelling. And so, yeah, yeah. So just kind of looking at the clock on the wall, I know we're kind of getting close to our time. However, I do want to ask one quick question for you: Is how do you keep innovating in this space? It's a really good question. I think one of the traps is that something works, and so you basically make a process to keep doing that same thing. Mm -hmm. And maybe to optimize it, you create checkpoints in that process. You create a look back process to see if you followed that process, right? Like you measure it based on those same stats. That uh, to me is a recipe for making the same thing over and over, right? And so I think where it really starts is, is a few ways. One is how do you make sure that the input on what you're going to do is something that isn't dependent like on one person's head or mindset. So what I mean by that is our process to come up with ideas for classes comes from 
first of all, anybody in the company can submit ideas and then we actually like vote on it. So that's one idea is we get it from our subscribers. We get it from our customers. We also get, we use tons of stats and it's not like we look at what books are selling. We're looking at what things people are writing about on Reddit. Like we're, we're like constantly trying to look at different things to do it. Um, we have expert panels and advisory panels for that stuff. And so we're constantly trying to do that. So a bunch of different inputs. Um, and then the process isn't about, it, it, it isn't about regulating like those inputs, right? It's about how do you make things that people constantly like? And so mm -hmm. you'll see when things stop people liking and that lets, that let that lets you kind of change it. The other thing is, is we've also created in, the, sorry, the teams that create the ideas are cross-functional teams. So it's not mm -hmm. just all like the education team, yeah. right? Like there's people from all over the company around the team. So you get those ideas. The other things we've created separate teams are incubator teams where their jobs to come up with crazy ideas that everybody else are going to think is bad. And 80% <laughs> of those are going to be bad ideas, but 20% are going to make us all think and change some of the things we do, right? So yeah. that's how we do it probably. But I think also my job as a CEO is to try to make sure that we keep it, yeah, you know, that we never get stale. That's great. Yeah, that's amazing. David Rogier, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, David. It's been great. awesome. That was so fun. It yeah. was fun. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it was and fun. And you also yeah. come to set one day, too. That would be, I love set. I'd love being on set for stuff. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. That'd be great. amazing. And, you know, boys, you have a, a place to stay. Yeah, here in LA. <laughs> thank you. So, so make that happen. So, thank you. Uh, David Rogier is the CEO and founder of Masterclass. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Dana. Thank you, Jake. This is Bob saying, join us next time on the Learning Geeks. And until then, stay geeky, my friends. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, all.